Hello and welcome back to the What Would You Know podcast. This is your host, Lily Heenan, and trust me when I say you are going to want to stick around for this episode. If you're someone who suffers from anxiety, has allergies, food sensitivities, struggles with sleep, or even if you're an athlete or someone who has any mental or physical health-related issues, you are going to get something out of the conversation I have with today's guest. You guys have had a lot of questions about breath work, Wim Hof, mouth taping that I speak a little bit about in my episodes on on my podcast page and there's no better person to answer all of those questions for you than today's guest, Dean Gladstone. Today I'm extremely lucky to have Dean on to talk about the power of breath and his personal journey with holistic health after he suffered from PTSD and asthma. And if you have ever watched Bondi, rescue on tv you will be very familiar with dino dino's purpose is to empower people to manage stress and influence stress for better health and performance i obviously knew dino from watching bondi rescue i had never met him before but i connected with him recently a few months ago when i completed my oxygen advantage training which is a functional breathing course because you guys know i'm so fascinated and passionate about breath work and the spectrum of breath work. Dino is a formal national gold medalist in swimming, Bondi lifeguard on one of Australia's biggest TV series. He's a yoga teacher, holistic health coach, public speaker, and performance coach, certified ice bath instructor, qualified personal trainer, Wim Hof instructor, breathwork facilitator and instructor, and founder of Power of Breath. This guy is quite literally a well full of knowledge. So let's bring him on. Welcome, Dino. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we get into breath work, because there's so much that I want to talk about, and there's a lot of questions that I have in terms of breath work and your journey and Wim Hof especially. I want to talk about Wim Hof because I know that you've worked with him. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, well, I'm getting on. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big story. I, love I, story. I think it sort of starts when... Thank you. It starts when I was hospitalized with asthma as a young kid, about eight or nine, I think, and I was hospitalized multiple times. And from this early age, I, I knew that from swimming training, it would regulate my breath and it would keep my asthma away and keep me healthier. And I always believed that I needed to swim to, to, to regulate my breath. And if we sort of fast track it, you know, you could maybe even link the asthma and the learning learning difficulties that I had sort of together, which which didn't give me many opportunities sort of yeah, leaving you, school, but uh, I was a good swimmer. Yeah, yeah. This sort of, I was post-diagnosed. My sister studied occupational therapy and sort of was diagnosing me as a sort of 18, 20-year-old. But yeah, it wasn't picked up on. There was a there was a family joke. There was a hot food shop around the corner, and dyslexic me saw hot frog. Yeah, um, and we used to call the yeah we used to call the you know get takeaway from hot frog. That was sort of a family joke, and and it was it was funny. It was never meant to be mean or anything. But when you look back at all these little things, you know, I didn't know the alphabet as as a kid in school, and I, I taught myself the alphabet as a first year apprentice plumber because one of my jobs as an apprentice plumber was to look through the street directory and and uh, this is before gps i am showing my age 
yeah, sort of find straight. And I used to get confused towards the middle of middle end of the alphabet. So I was like, you know, 19 going A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And just, yeah, sort of slow learner. But once I set my mind on something, I seem to get there. And, you know, even to this day, you know, I pride myself on maybe working a little bit harder than other people to, to learn things and, and to try and learn them well. I remember you telling us uh, when we did the training that you had an experience that left you with some PTSD, anxiety, depression. I remember you saying you had, I think, was it allergies? And that was kind of your, was that one of your turning points? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the sort of worst day of my life. And, 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 you know, the, the day that I learned or started to learn the most about myself. Yeah, I was king hit in 2005. And I had my four front teeth knocked out. And this brought up breathing difficulties. Was, there was post-traumatic stress. There was allergies, eczema, gluten sensitivity, all these stress-related ailments just uh, from the assault. And, you know, I used to sort of think some of that stuff was a little bit crazy. You know, it used to, you people in America would be suing for all these things after bullying and harassment and it just never made sense to me until you sort of live it firsthand and then you realize how powerful the mind can be and and how how yeah excruciatingly painful and difficult stress can be on someone's life and what that can leave on you and your body as a person as a result of that trauma and stress yeah, so yeah, from there it was, it was there was so much learning for me and I bounced around the medical system and and doctors and psychologists and it just yeah, I wasn't able to get much help. Like obviously the, the doctors were brilliant, you know, they put my fake tooth back in, the dentists and the surgery and and all that, but afterwards sort of dealing with that stress, it just you know, apart from getting offered any anxiety medication and sleeping pills, like it just that it wasn't helping me, and and I found a holistic route, and uh, yeah, it was life changing for me. It sort of my whole life sort of started to make sense. I always felt like there was this missing part, and after after discovering all this, it all became clear what sort of you know all the stuff that I was missing, and and yeah, I really felt I grew and learnt so much from that assault. What were some of the things that you took away when you started learning about holistic health that changed? your life and the things that you were dealing with at the time as a result of being king hit? Yeah, it was, you know, Paul Check, the, the Czech Institute has these models of holistic health coaching and sort of thoughts, breathing, hydration, nutrition, movement and rhythm. And I was amazed, you know, he was talking about working with high-class athletes and writing them really good programs. But if their thoughts weren't right, if their hydration wasn't right, if their breathing wasn't right, it doesn't matter how good the program is they're not going to succeed. So, yeah, it was just trying to get sort of, you know, my thoughts right, my head right, and, you know, getting me to breathe correctly. And, and that sort of, you know, led me to where where I am today and was very connected with my asthma. And even as a lifeguard, you know, that the connections were clear to me. It was all sort of, it was all just right in front of my eyes. What I was doing in some ways as a lifeguard, dealing with stress and helping other people in stress, dealing with stress or in stressful situations, it was all so so connected to the breath and and our body and our stress and our lives and yeah so yeah it was really really huge for me all those things just coming right up and then just trying to dial all the simple things back in my life and 
focusing more on sleep and breathing and positivity and and yeah changing nutrition you know sort of on a on a high carb low fat diet and eating sugar and you know at, at this stage i thought muffins were healthy and i sort of just swung all that round and started eating sort of, sort of more meat and more protein and 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 you know obviously really interested in organic farming and even raw milk was a, a really interesting journey finding out sort of what pasteurization and homogenation does to milk and you know raw meat raw milk is illegal i still believe but yeah it's, it's yeah there's a whole sort of range of interesting things going on in the world that my eyes were open to and my body was super sensitive so i could tell if something was bad for me straight away or not i used to scratch myself till i bled when when after some foods that were not good for me my body used to tell me wow so yeah, I, 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 that became my superpower. One of the things I remember when we were doing the oxygen, oxygen advantage training and you were telling us about that and you said one of the things that you noticed when you started being holistic and you started changing your diet, that you weren't burning anymore in the sun when you're obviously doing all your lifeguard stuff. That's what? 100% correct. Higher fat diet, the better sleep. Yeah, I know because I've started to educate myself a little bit more on that, that like, I don't burn as much now because I'm staying away from the highly processed foods and I started to edu- educate myself on what actually is in the sunscreen. Like I know it's pr- mm. kind of protecting us from the sun in a way, but then yeah, it's the, it's the food that we're eating. Yeah. The deodorant's the same as well. And for me, if I go out and I get, you know, a, a nice dose of sun with no sunscreen on, if I start to feel like I'm burning, you begin to feel uncomfortable, and that's a, that's a great time to get out of the sun. If you have sunscreen on, you don't feel that, yeah. and you're potentially, yeah, getting more exposure than than what's good for you. And uh, there's certainly no guarantees when you wear sunscreen. When did you kind of come across Wim Hof? Well, is that who you found first when you started getting into the breath work and understanding breath techniques? Yeah, so I did. I thought. I wanted to be a yoga teacher about 2015, 2016. You know, when I was lifeguarding, I, I was practicing yoga and the yoga was regulating my breath. The yoga was giving me what swimming was giving me as a young child. I was able to regulate my breath through na- nasal breathing techniques. So yeah, yoga was the sort of direction I was going in breath and movement because, you know, sitting all day as a lifeguard, Having the flexibility to sort of get up and, and run breakneck speed into the water and save someone's life was what I sort of prided myself on. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was really special. It's, you, you know, it's really, I felt really lucky to have that job as a lifeguard, which I still do, just not, not very often. But uh, yeah, it was such a great role and being able to help people, the guys really get a thrill out of it. Yeah, it's been, and then having the show and it being seen, you know, in hundreds of countries around the world, it's, yeah, it's been quite an exciting journey. My family used to watch it. Yeah, but it's still going like 16, 17 years later. So yeah, so yoga was the direction that I was going in. And then, yeah, even when I was doing my yoga teacher training, at, when we were studying pranayama, I was sort of playing with Wim Hof and, and other pranayama techniques. Yeah, from there, I went and studied with Wim. I went over to Europe. I went over to his house. I climbed a mountain with Wim in my board shorts in minus 20. It was at the top. I really just started nerding out on breathing specifically. For those who don't know, can you maybe give us a little bit of background on 
who Wim is and what he actually does. What is the Wim Hof method? Yeah. Well, Lily, most people have heard of Wim now. I, I used to have to explain who Wim was. Some people would have an idea. So Wim Hof is a Dutchman. I think he's early 60s. And Wim was back in the day famous for, I don't want to say party tricks, but he was, he had all these all say party tricks and he was sort of breaking world records and doing weird and wonderful things and generally controlling his body at a level that other people weren't able to do. And he credited the breathwork technique and cold therapy for doing this. And he started to challenge the scientists to quantify why he was able to not get sick and, and do all these things break, you know, I think he's broken 25, 26 world records. Oh, wow. And he was able to stay, he set multiple world records for being in ice baths for over two hours, which have since been broken, actually, which is, which is amazing. But yeah, so he's got, he's got a deeper level of control over his own physiology than, than most people. And he, uh, they were able to quantify Wim controlling that. And that was a scientific first. And that really put him on the map in 2011. What was it like climbing the mountain with him in your board shorts? Well, that was the end of the week to become a Wim Hof instructor. And there were 60 like-minded people from around the world, you know, with some with similar stories like, like me, like they'd been through trauma and they'd found natural health modalities to help them heal. So the connection of the group was absolutely amazing. Yeah, bad. And yeah, we spent five days meditating and doing breath work and doing cold therapy and sharing our stories. So it was, it was an amazing week. And part of the training during the week was really tough. We were in rivers that were like minus one degree with this cold water just flowing through and it was brutal, much colder than any ice bath I'd been. I'd yeah. been in. And then when we actually climbed the mountain, we'd done so much hard work during the week. That the mountain climb felt felt a little bit easier. Yeah. We were prepared. We were we were yeah. We were confident. We sort of had this power of the mind, this belief that we could do it. How long did it take you to do? What mountain was it? So it's Mount Snetska in Poland. So if, yeah. we flew in and out of the Czech Republic, and it's about two hours over the border, yeah. and it's a two-hour sort of journey up up the top. It's about two thousand meters up there. And as I said, we, we trained, we were wet, walking around sort of in the dark, barefoot and cold, and it was brutal, the training. So when we got to the actual mountain ascent, we were, we were dry, we had boots on and we were walking up a hill with, with backpacks. So it was, it was much, much easier than the training. Um, we, we had groups of five and we supported each other and, and when you stay focused on being warm, you actually, you're able to warm yourself up. It was almost like I was humming or oming to cre create this internal energy and this internal, internal heat focused on staying warm. You can, you can stay warm. But I had my GoPro there and my phone and I was trying to take photos and do stuff and trying to document it somewhat. And as soon as I broke my concentration on staying warm, I'd actually get really cold. And so yeah. I put my phone away and the other, the other instructors and guides are like, listen, just stay focused on being warm. And, and yeah, uh, yeah it's quite interesting. At one stage on the climb, Wim was able to put all the heat and blood flow onto his back and people were warming their hands up on Wim's back. It was amazing. Oh my God. 
yeah, he just think, lit up like a Christmas tree. I found him maybe two and a half years ago. I think it was just before, maybe longer than that. I don't know. But I was having chronic pain issues and I remember reading the study in the Oxygen Advantage book, but I don't know if you would be able to answer this any further, but I had chronic bladder pain and I obviously was doing everything in terms of like the doctors put me on antibiotics for a year. I was cutting out food groups, literally seeing all these different people like Western and holistic medicine. And then I found breath work and literally within a week, and I know that was another question I had, like when we say breath work, it's kind of a spectrum and there's so much to it. But when I was specifically doing a Wim Hof breathing technique, so it was the hyperventilation and breath holds. And I literally did that for a week every day and my chronic pain went and it hasn't come back. And then when I remember I was reading the Oxygen Advantage book. That's amazing. They had a study in there and it kind of, it kind of made it clear on why that happened to me. Like it had something to do with your immune system and the fact that it was alkalining Mm. my body doing breath work like that. And I think that's why my chronic pain went. I'm not sure. I've seen stories about that all the time. Someone had Crohn's disease and I think Wim shared it and he started doing the Wim Hof method and was doing ice baths and breast work and now he's not on medication or anything because his Crohn's symptoms have like improved. Yeah, Yeah, there's, there's so many things going on, right? And in the Wim Hof method, there's multiple techniques. There's like a meditation, there's that that hyperventilation or superventilation and then there's the cold therapy. Were you in the ice baths or just doing just No, doing I was just doing breath work. <laughs> Just breathing. Yeah, just doing breath work. So amazing. So yeah, you're not you're not getting so there's some anti-inflammatory effects from the breath work itself, the Wim Hof breath work. And then the ice bath adds some more anti-inflammatory effects. So there's an increase in anti-inflammatory cytokines and a decrease in pro-inflammatory cytokines. I believe, you know, it does multiple things, but it takes people into a state state of meditation and relaxation that potentially they haven't been into before. It's also very empowering. It mm. makes people sort of sense well, what I learned in a way, how powerful the human body is and that we can influence and change our body. And yeah, it, it, be, it gets people more breath aware. And, and this breath awareness sort of crosses over into more of the functional breathing world of oxygen advantage when even though the Wim Hof technique is not a functional breathing technique, I strongly believe, and I've got some data, you know, with all the people that we've trained to that to see, you know, post post teaching them Wim Hof or superventilation, there is more breath awareness, and this this improves general breathing throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have known obviously about functional breathing or oxygen advantage if I didn't obviously come across Wim Hof, and yeah, it kind of opens up the door on like there's so many different areas and different techniques of breath work and the dysfunctional and functional breathing. And I just want to know, like, how would you describe breath work on a spectrum? Yeah. Quickly, I say there's fast breathing, slow breathing, and no breathing. So to to break that down, yeah, there's sort of two two schools of, of thought or two schools. You know, the fast breathing, Wim Hof, superventilation, rebirthing, holotropic, they, they cause stress on the body. So they induce a stress response. And in this day and age, people, stress is a big problem, but also stress is, stress can be good for us. Stress is not necessarily a bad thing. It's the way we react to stress. 
So by inducing, intentionally inducing ourselves into a stress response, we're teaching the body to come in and out of stress. So that's one of the big benefits of, of some of those breathwork techniques. In, more, in the Wim Hof technique, you breathe quite intensely and then you hold your breath. And when you hold your breath, that's where the parasympathetic nervous system or the body comes back into balance. So you're sort of coming in and out of a stress response. In a holotropic or a rebirthing, it's just continuous. And I haven't had much experience with them. And I actually find that potentially maybe a little bit too intense. I don't know if it's because where I am on, on my journey, but I, I feel, or maybe my education. And once you start to study slow breathing, there's schools of thought that believe any hyperventilation is bad for you. Yeah, so yeah, I some of the some of the I've done a few like rebirth breathwork sessions, and I remember I think it was, was it Michael was saying that there was new research that's come out because when I have done it a few times, I go to sleep, or the instructor says that I go to sleep. Mm. But Michael was saying that there's new research that's come out that's like apparently like a it's a blockage, like your brain's trying to protect you from yeah. something. Have you have you heard about that? Well, your body starts to just shut down. That's yeah. why they sort of call it rebirthing. You push and you push and push and just everything where people are able to sort of go deeper and, and release traumas or tensions that they don't even know they're carrying. Okay. So, yeah, that's sort of. What we're saying is with the, the mouth breathing and the holotropic breath work, hyperventilation, they're probably some of the videos that you've seen on TikTok, Instagram, where people are crying and screaming and it can look a bit intimidating. Mm. But I think obviously it can be beautiful with intention and obviously it like helps people with trauma releases and trapped energy and emotion. But few of my friends have come to me and said that they want to get into breath work, but then they've seen videos like that and they're scared because they like I want to get into breath work, but that's almost kind of turned me off it because I don't want to. I don't want to start screaming. Like it's not. Yeah. That's obviously breath breath work is a spectrum, and when you're watching those videos, it's like very intense, like hours of mouth breathing with intention behind it, and it's not. There's other forms of breath work like that hypes you up, but there are other types of breath work that are obviously going to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and calm you down and. We can obviously get into that. I think a lot of people get quite confused. Well, they seem to get lots of views, some of those videos. Like when millions. they pop up into my feed, some of them have had millions of views and it's these people crying. But yeah, I, I do know, you know, people do benefit from releasing. But yeah, whether you'd want to film that again is is maybe maybe a, another question. Yeah, I think I think I've done three now and I haven't ever cried in them but like going home that's when I feel like everything has kind of come up and I've been like really emotional for the next few days or week and I know I really enjoyed it but then again the more functional breathing stuff is what I'm obviously leaning towards obviously we've just touched on that type of breath work but what's the slow side of it great question so when I teach I like to teach both um, so people get you know when I run a power of the breath course I like to cover cover it all so we get to do some of those stress-inducing dysfunctional breathing techniques. But the priority for me is teaching people functional breathing, which is, you know, comes back to some really simple concepts. And they're all linked to nasal breathing. So as a generalization, people are over-breathing. And this is generally done when people breathe through the mouth. This over-breathing, this mouth breathing can be upper chest breathing. So people aren't breathing diaphragmatically. So yeah, it's just the fast over-breathing 
non-diaphragmatic breathing, and that can lead to sometimes back pain, shoulder and neck pain, poor sleep. Pretty much dysfunctional breathing can affect any system or organ in the body. There's a potential that anxiety, stress, everything, it can affect everything. You know, maybe sort of, you know, that Wim Hof sort of rebalanced or reconnected or rebooted your body in some way and, and got you breathing a little bit deeper again. You know, that diaphragm does massage all of our internal organs when we breathe functionally. What is the diaphragm? Um, this helps peristalsis. Diaphragm's our major breathing muscle. It sort of separates our abdominal cavity from our th- thoracic cavity and sort of sits underneath our rib cage. And it's, it's, it's sort of talked about if you put your hands below your rib cage and you took a big breath in through your nose, if anyone's listening and, and not driving a car, you'd be looking for the sort of 360-degree expansion below that sort of rib cage. That would be a diaphragmatic breath, and it's often called a belly breath. And some people argue whether it's actually a belly breath or not, and you're not actually breathing into your belly. But when that diaphragm does pull down, it creates a low-pressure system in in our lungs. This brings air into the body, which we utilize for oxygen, and that extends our sort of belly somewhat. So hence, hence the belly breathing name. Going back to what you were saying before with the functional breathing, why should we be nasal breathing? For people carrying stress and tension, if they're breathing dysfunctionally, they're increasing their stress. So they're not recovering. You know, the mouth breathing at night is particularly brutal because people can have awareness of how they're breathing in the day. And if their mouth falls open at night, they're, they're not getting deep sleep. They're not recovering. Their heart rates increase. Their, their digestive functions, their sexual reproductive functions. You know, there's a whole range of bodily functions that we, we, we rely on that, that aren't happening properly. And it's majorly affected by the way we breathe. So by improving the way we breathe and it's the, the cumulative effect of, you know, breathing all day, we breathe maybe 25,000 times a day. So if we can improve each breath, times that by 25,000 a day, and then, you know, seven days a week, 31 days a month, and then even over years, there's millions and millions of breaths that are going to be better from improving the way we breathe by training. So the way we train now, the way we breathe autonomously was for focused breathing, which you've just learned about, Lily, and you you will be teaching <laughs> teaching us all how to breathe a little bit better, right? And I know. how it's connected to stress. And I know. I've started to tell my listeners that if they're going to do anything, they need to wear the tape over their mouth at night. And yeah. I, a few people have had questions, obviously, like, what the hell? I'm obviously working with a few people at the moment for the case studies and They've seen really good improvements, but I think even Huberman started talking about it, which was really cool. It's been big the last couple of years. Yeah. When someone like him talks about it, then I feel like more people are open to it and obviously more people are talking about it, but what kind of is the concept of taping your mouth at night and what are the benefits of it? So have you read James Nestor's book, Breath and Science of the Last I'm halfway through it. You're halfway through it. So this this book, and for those that that haven't read it, don't stress out. It it's got a lot of people, and he's done. He's been on Joe Rogan, and and, and you know all these people with huge podcasts are talking about nasal breathing. But in the book, he surgically blocks up his nose for ten days. Him and another guy, another breathwork guy, 
and they sort of medically quantify, you know, heart rate, blood pressure, blood sugar, blood, I said blood pressure already, but yeah, they do all these sort of medical diagnoses and then they block their nose up for, for 10 days and then they quantify sort of what happens to their bodies from just mouth breathing over 10 days. And it's, it, it's scary. You know, I think that your snoring went up 15 hundred percent or you know he went pre-diabetic with his blood sugar he went high you know almost hypertensive with his blood pressure it was yeah it was crazy and then in 10 days they were able to revert almost completely reverse that where they surgically blocked up blocked up their mouths and just breathed nasally and they they did exercise and you know they tried to keep it as scientific as possible eating the same foods and having the same routine. But yeah, from that, he, he goes into sort of a brilliantly written book that is really educative and informative and enjoyable and has brought a whole wealth of people into, into nasal breathing for health and performance. And so years ago, I started selling myotape. And yeah, like just because when I was working with people, if you told them to buy something online, some of them wouldn't buy it or it would take them ages to get it. So I used to have it there and then eventually I started selling it and I never thought I'd sort of sell a product. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, like last year or so with Huberman and all these people promoting nasal breathing, it's really selling, which is, which is super cool. What are some of the symptoms that you find people have if they are mouth breathers or mouth breathing during the night so the the key one is waking up with a dry mouth maybe feeling sluggish and getting up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night yeah so if you're waking up with a dry mouth you've definitely been mouth breathing and i when i don't wear tape sometimes i don't wake up with a dry mouth sometimes i do so i know that i've been mouth breathing and that's a little bit frustrating but you know it's i had multiple teeth taken out as a kid my jaw just didn't didn't grow you know james nestor talks about human de-evolution in his book yeah Um, and again there's some fascinating sort of stuff that we could delve into if you're a mouth breather it changes the structure of your face yeah so some of this stuff you know after i was assaulted that was sort of you know paul check was going deep into western a price's work and the western a price foundation and all this stuff and all these studies that i'd never heard of but it seemed just so logical to me you know, humans had evolved for millions of years doing this, 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 and then in the last sort of couple of hundred years, everything's changed. Yeah. And there's no reason, there's no wonder why they're struggling to mental health and, and all these things are, you know, just killing people, literally. And, yeah. Yeah. The book, I remember specific because I got diagnosed with ADHD and I remember the book, like it threw in statistics that 80% of people who had ADHD were mouth breathers. People on the sort of stress and anxiety platform, what do you want, area, spectrum, yeah, 80% of those people are dysfunctional breathers. And there's other studies as well where I think, you know, I talk about this one as well. There's a study out of Mississippi in the US, 153 people post-heart attack. So these are the people that lived. Coronary heart disease is the biggest killer worldwide. They were all 100% dysfunctional breathers. So you can't say that Mouth breathing alone was the sole thing that, that gave them the heart attack, but it's that extra layer of stress onto their body, onto, you know, an already stressful world that, that people aren't coping with. So many of us breathe through our mouth and we don't even know it. And I remember I was, 
I was telling someone about obviously what I was learning and they kind of said, what do you mean? Like, don't you breathe through your mouth? And I'm like, no, we're supposed to breathe through our nose, not our mouth. So they weren't aware of it. Maybe we could touch on some symptoms of being a dysfunctional breather, but like sighing, I noticed that especially in my family, everyone sighs like constantly. I'd say every 30 minutes, they just let out a a big sigh and there's sleep apnea and heavy breathing involved. And yeah, obviously when I learned about all this stuff, kind of put the dots together. But even through exercise, I've never been a runner and I'm trying to do that. But I think I, I ran the furthest I'd ever run without like feeling out of breath. I definitely felt like I could have kept going because I focused on breathing through my nose the whole time. I normally mm-hmm. I'll breathe through my mouth and I was with my housemate and we were down the street and I was telling her about all of this. She's probably sick of me talking about it. But I was like, oh my God, look, there's someone running and they're breathing through their mouth. So many people don't know that we should be breathing through our mouth and they can get so much more out of their performance if they do breathe through their nose. You've worked with a lot of athletes as well, haven't you? Yeah. Some of the footy players and you know, I had an Olympic swimmer here last week. And so swimming's a mouth breathing sport as well. And I was a swimmer, I spent a lot of time swimming and I actually believe this swimming played into my dysfunction. Although it trained my lungs at the same time, I believe it sort of trained me to mouth breathe, which, you know, I, I need to retrain out of it. But yeah, it's uh, once you see it and once you learn it, it's hard to unsee it. I know. <laughs> and you become quite focused on it. When you fly, particularly, you just see people going like this and it's like, it's painful I know. to listen to that, those, those snoring noises. And, and society's almost normalized childhood asthma and snoring and these things, but they're certainly not normal at all. It's people choking and people, people unable to breathe. I know. I think there's a, there's a very well-known podcaster that I listen to and she, is very fit and she has asthma. And I remember I watched a story that she put up. She was at Pilates or something and she had like five asthma puffers in her bag. And I should have messaged her, but like I was thinking, I wonder if you are educated about nasal breathing. Like I assume that you wouldn't be, but like that's kind of what people with asthma, that's the only thing that they kind of get recommended by the doctors, isn't it, is a medication. Is that what happened with you as a kid? Yeah, so I was I was bouncing around all these doctors over the years. None of them ever taught me to breathe properly. It was such a waste of my parents' money. The swimming was great for regulating my breath, but naturally I avoided milk as a child because I knew there was some sort of inflammation from milk. It's really just, yeah, mind-boggling. I don't know what any of those doctors did, just put me on drugs, preventative medication, and, and then Ventolin. But yeah, so I haven't used any asthma medication for at least the last five years. I don't, when I used to get sick, I used to get asthma. Like since still really focusing on the breath work, I really barely get, get sick. I was actually feeling a bit off yesterday and had a headache and I lie down and I was feeling better after that. It's just like I got sick for an hour or two and then moved past it, which is, which is nice. And it's all through literally the power of your breath, like learning about all of this stuff. And Well, yeah, I, for me, the holistic, a more holistic lifestyle, trying to sort of maybe echo what humans have evolved to do seems to respond. My body responds really well to it. Yeah. It's sort of medication, pharmaceutical stuff. It hasn't really 
supported me much in the past. You know, doctors are brilliant. You know, you've probably heard me tell the story about my toe got ripped off. So grateful yes. for doctors and yeah, don't want to be doctor bashing, but yeah, yeah. You, you know, for me, the holistic, you know, doctors certainly keep people alive and doing some brilliant things, but they don't appear to be trained in some of the simple functional things, like telling people to eat properly, maybe drink a little bit more water and, and, you know, teaching people about stress, you know, that it seems to be sort of Medicaid before even assessing people in some cases. There's, there's a whole range of brilliant, fantastic holistic doctors out now. And, and a lot of, a lot has changed in the last 20 years. So, yeah. but yeah, I don't go to the doctors anymore. I don't want to bash the doctors or anything either because I've had my appendix out. My mum had an accident. If she didn't have the medical system, she wouldn't be alive today. And that's why we do need hospitals mm. and doctors. Yeah, doctors aren't good at preventative health. No. Yeah, um, exactly. They're not good at preventative health. And it's so not all doctors. I shouldn't make any generalizations, but yeah. Yeah, doctors are sort of for accidents, emergency, infections. You know, the technology, what, what they're able to do, the medical system is absolutely amazing, but uh, they study pharmacology, not, not farming. And, yeah. you know, I think they do, in some cases, maybe a day or two of nutrition in six years. So I are know, they that's... qualified to give people advice on what to eat? It's, you know, and, and I've asked lots of doctors these questions and, and it's so hard they for generally me even... agree with me. As a psych student, because I follow a lot of holistic people and even there's a psychiatrist that I follow, Dr. Daniel Amen. have you heard of him? He no, was saying that there was a study that took ADHD kids, changed up their diet, literally took out all the unprocessed shit, all like the cordials, the dyes, and their ADHD went away. And Obviously, nutrition plays an important part, but doctors would never say, obviously, that they don't get taught to, instead of putting ADHD kids on medication, they don't recommend nutrition. And even as a psych student, I just did ADHD two weeks ago, and the only treatment that we got educated on was medication. And yeah, sure, it might help some symptoms, but then you also get some effect. It's such a tricky situation because we've come a long way with mental health. And more and more people are talking about it. But then when you start to have conversations like this, people can get a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's touchy. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have my own experiences to talk to and to talk about, you know, the, the medical system hasn't, you know, they were great initially, but they weren't able to su support my journey going forward. And I just didn't feel it was right for me. And, and yeah, they're, they're the stories. That, that I'd like to talk to and, you know, training with people, working with people, diet, nutrition, different things work for different people. Yeah. I fully accept, accept that and, and work with that. And, you know, I really like sort of some of my go-to things when, when working with people, I generally believe people do better eating meat and decreasing sugar and some basic things like that. But yeah, I work with sort of vegans and, and a whole range of people. And I see some of them doing really well, not, not eating meat. So I'm all sort of open to the fact that sort of anything is possible for, for some people. But uh, yeah, I, I know for me, sort of avoiding medication and, and doctors, I generally stay healthier and happier. What are some breath work techniques that people can take away today and practice in their life to kind of reduce stress and anxiety and even prevent it? Yeah. So the, the key takeaways, as we mentioned, it's not complex at all. 
That's really simple. I like to get people lying down on their back and then by using their hands as biofeedback, they can sort of feel that diaphragm. And we were talking about the diaphragm earlier. So breathing diaphragmatically in itself sort of stimulates that parasympathetic nervous system. You know, a lot of us spend a lot of time sitting, laying down, pulls our pulls our shoulders back, makes our posture nice. I should sit up straight as I'm sort of talking about that. But there's a lot of this in society today. So yeah, laying down, closing the eyes, breathing out, in and out through the nose, breathing diaphragmatically is really simple exercise. So in one study they did on pregnant women, five minutes a day after an initial half an hour session was enough to sort of get significant benefits from breathing. So, And I've sort of found that busy people that I work with, one or two sessions, and then trying to get them to do five to 10 minutes of slow breathing a day, seeing huge results. As a generalization, what would you recommend, like the inhale and exhale? I know that works for me. I'll inhale for four, exhale Mm. for six. Would that be kind of a a good number or would it be more of the box breathing? So you're in for four, pause for four, out for four, pause for four, or you can do both really? Yeah, you can absolutely do both. That that in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four can be tough for some people, can particularly holding at the bottom. So that's that's sort of less than four breaths a minute, and that starts to get a bit tricky. The first one that you re- recommended, in for four, out for six, or in for four, out for five, pause for one, or in for five, out for five, that's about six breaths a minute, and that's a little bit easier. So anywhere between four and eight breaths a minute is considered slow breathing. And when we're doing slow breathing, we want to breathe quietly if possible. So it shouldn't be, you want it to be more like, and that's sort of our minute volume because you can still slow breathe and and breathe dysfunctionally. You can still over breathe while you're slow breathing. So we want a nice sort of quiet, soft, relaxed breath if possible. We want a diaphragmatic breath. We want a nasal breath and we want a slow breath. Would you recommend doing a, even a Wim Hof? Yeah, I, I love doing doing Wim Hof. It, it's a great experience for people. It's my favorite. Uh, yeah, it's, it brings people into the power of breathing. And so after doing Wim Hof, people haven't experienced it before. They may be able to go, oh my God, this stuff is so powerful. And then they start to get a little bit more benefits of maybe that five-minute slow breathing exercise that... that that, you know, can be really powerful as well. Sometimes it takes people a little, uh, a couple of goes of Wim Hof to really feel the power of the breath. Amazing. Well, that's all the questions I had for today, Dino. I do have a question that I ask my guests at the end of each episode. What is a piece of advice you wish you could give to your younger self or would give to your younger self? I wish, so with my dysfunctional breathing as a kid I was nervous I was I was anxious so I was I was fearful of trying new stuff I was embarrassed and it's only that I've got older that I realized that this is a result you know whilst I maintain maybe I'm still naturally introverted I I used to use that as an excuse me (laughs) yeah so I wish I like I wish I tried more stuff as a kid I wish I did more fun stuff. I used to be fearful and embarrassed doing new things. So I wish I was more open to trying new things. 
So yeah, I'm trying to sort of share that message to my kids. I want them to explore yeah. life and and not be afraid of failing. They they get into the ice about bath. messing things up. Yeah, they do. They're well, they're awesome. Obviously, they think I'm a little bit weird sometimes, but they're starting to. You know, my daughter was getting sick a lot recently. She's got quite a busy schedule. And when she gets sick, she's like, Daddy, come and make me better. And we, we go and buy organic garlic and lemon and honey and make up a little, little tincture. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, I, I, it makes me, it makes my heart melt knowing that she comes to me now when she gets sick. Yeah. That's how I envision, that's what I want my kids to be like. Did, do you kind of push this stuff onto them or do you kind of just like let them watch no, you? Don't push it. They've been exposed to it since they, th- I guess they think it's, you know, you know, well, whilst they don't think I'm normal, but they've been exposed to me doing weird shit since, you know, since I was a kid. And as I talked about earlier, my, my, oh, how, how do we word this politely? My, the, the medical system's inability to really support me. Yeah. I've been sort of quite passionate about natural health remedies for them. And I'm sort of constantly sort of pushing that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd much rather use essential oils than, than medicine. And yeah, there's, I sort of got a whole range of essential oils behind me and they're, they're my That's go-to. My they're my first go-to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we use lavender to, to help them sleep and sort of tea tree as an antiseptic and there's a couple of natural, natural other antiseptics that you can sort of drink and, and, and put on your skin and, and wash with. So yeah, the, the natural remedies are the, are the way to go in, in this house. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with me and sharing all of your knowledge. Where can we find you if we want to follow you, work with you, find out more about what you get up to? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm up to all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. So Instagram, if people are on it, my breath page is power of the breath. I've got a, I didn't want to bore, just sort of talk about all breath work on my other page, which is Dino Gladstone on my YouTube page. And there's some slow breathing. So, which is, you know, obviously free if people want to lay down and do some sort of guided slow breathing. Um, I do that. I do that one. That's on. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, some sort of sort of free free stuff about breathing and, and mouth taping and and the benefits of you know a lot of the stuff that we've discussed today if people want to sort of go there and, and utilize that it's great to have some sort of free tools for people to to check in and learn about their own sort of physiology and and that's related to our psychology as you know right yeah uh, and once you start to connect the two it's pretty cool and mind and body is one yeah mind and body is one but yeah yeah there's multiple ways to to reach out to me if people do want to chat I, I try and get back to people that respond to me which is super cool and uh, yeah i'm really grateful for the weird and wonderful people that i've met over the years okay guys that was probably a lot for you to take in if you have never heard any of that information regarding breath work and this is obviously the end of the episode so i will give you a quick little summary of what we spoke about breath work is a spectrum mouth breathing with intention is beautiful but you don't want to mouth breathe any other time. You want to nasal breathe the rest of the time and start to become aware of well, making a conscious effort to nasal breathe throughout your day and throughout sleep. Stress can be a good thing, 
This is called hormetic stress. By doing things like ice baths and Wim Hof breath work, it puts you in a controlled state of stress and the body actually responds to this positively. It's like exercise. Exercise is a type of hormetic stress. And by building this, we build our resilience, which makes stressful things in life easier to deal with. So it's not fun at the time, but afterwards you feel great. And in the long term, it's beneficial, makes you more resilient. Start mouth taping at nighttime. Just do it, please. Get microtape from the supermarket and try it. If it wigs you out, literally just sit in your bed or when you cook dinner, put the mouth tape on, get used to it, and slowly work your way up. And don't be shocked if your tape comes off during the night. Uh, for the probably first month for me, I was literally putting so many layers on and I kept waking it up and it was not on my mouth. And now like I probably wake up 95% of the time and I'm only using one layer of tape and I sleep the whole night through with it on. Like I don't wake up with it off. You can literally just get it from the supermarket or the chemist. I want you to focus on belly breathing. So slow and quiet through your diaphragm, not your chest. And we don't want it to be fast and we don't want to hold our breath. And we don't, we don't want to be able to hear it. Make a conscious effort to breathe less. Breathe in for five and out for five, which is about five breaths per minute. This is optimal breath for athletes, people who suffer from anxiety, asthmatics, absolutely Everyone will benefit from breathing this way. If you want guided breath work, look at Wim Hof on YouTube. I started off doing when I was referring to what I got into. I was doing the Cool to Be Conscious daily. If you literally just put that on YouTube, it's two guys called Rue and Ryan. They talk a lot about breath work and that's how I came across it. And it's literally two and a half minutes. It's pretty much a Wim Hof breathing technique, but if you want to experiment further, put in YouTube Wim Hof and follow his guided breathing techniques or even his app, which I've recommended before, which is really great. You can also have a look at Dino's YouTube where he has guided breath work. He has a great nasal breathing one, which is great for calming the nervous system. And I use this before bed because it activates your parasympathetic nervous system. If you have enjoyed today's episode, you've learned something new, or you think that someone would get something out of the episode, please send it to them or share this episode and tag Dean and I. If you want to give back and help this podcast out and help me and allow me to help others by reaching them authentically, share this and tag me at What Would She Know Podcast at Lily Heenan. It seriously helps me so much and I love and appreciate when I see you guys putting up stories and tagging me. I love you guys and remember, nothing changes if nothing changes. So have a cold shower, start regulating your nervous system through breath work and wear mouth tape when you sleep. And remember to shut your mouth.